I want to thank you um, for allowing me to show up here, the South Dakota, Minnesota area. Um, I, uh, several months ago, it was like 10 months ago, um, you guys reached out, or your church reached out and said, will you come and speak? And I had a friend say, you need to go to this place. It's a, it's a large church in South Dakota. A lot of people go there. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know there were a lot of people in South Dakota. Um, but evidently there are. And I've, I've enjoyed being up here. We got to go shoot things yesterday. So anytime you get the guns involved, it's just a great time for me personally. And then I found out you guys had a campus in Minnesota. I want to say hello to the Minnesota campus. I know you guys are playing the Lions today praying for a Minnesota victory because I can't stand the Detroit Lions personally. Um, we all know that hundreds of years ago, the Pilgrims came to America on Thanksgiving to watch the Detroit Lions lose. That's the reason they came to America. That's the reason we were even discovered. So super excited about what's going on. You guys have like five campuses. It's just great. So I'm super excited to be here. I've really enjoyed getting to hang out with your pastor, Adam. Don't you just love Adam and his heart for the gospel and his heart for people? Man. And what God's got going on here at Embrace Church is, is not normal. And, and I say not normal in a good way. Um, years ago, when I was in preaching school, one of the things they tried to teach us, and by the way, I dropped out of preaching school, but one of the things they tried to teach us is when you preach a message, that you need to try to connect with everyone in the audience. And so I tried to do that for years. I would try to connect with everyone. And then I realized that the people teaching in preaching school couldn't preach. That's why they were teaching. Um, and, and I also realized that it's nearly impossible to connect with everyone in the room simply because of age or race or economic status or experiences. There's just so many different people in this room. And so today, I want to give some of you permission to not listen, which some of you didn't need permission to not listen anyway. Um, but I want to give some of you permission to not listen because today's message is only for a particular group of people. Today's message is only for people who have a problem getting past your past. There's something in your life that, that you did or that was done to you and it seems like every time you, you get ahead in life, it seems like every time you find some joy, it seems like every time something good is about to happen for you, you're reminded of that event, that time, that season in your life. And it absolutely sucks the joy out of you and robs you of the abundant life, listen, that Jesus promised that we could have. And if that's you here today, I get it. You're my people. I understand exactly what you're going through. Back in the... Little story kind of set this up. Back in the sixth grade, um, I was a I was a pretty large child in the sixth grade, and so I did not excel in subjects like PE, physical education. I, I, I didn't do well at all, and so I don't know what genius came up with this plan. But in the sixth grade, we went to lunch, and then immediately following lunch, we went to PE. Now, now, first of all, you know this. You know the story is going to go bad right there. So on this particular day. Um, in, in lunch, we had Mexican food. Now, I don't know what Mexican food does to your stomach. I love good Mexican food, but this was school cafeteria ghetto Mexican food, all right? So it's already, I mean, it was just, it was messing with my stomach, and I was like, I'm not sure this is real good, and then we're going to PE, and then we stepped into PE, and on that day, we were starting what was called, at that time, the President's Physical Fitness Challenge, where you kind of did all these challenges like, you know, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, whatever. On that day, it was the sit-up challenge. 
And uh, just real quick to see if you're listening, uh, what I have for lunch on uh, what I have for lunch on three one two three. Yeah, 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 Mexican food. So anyway, Mexican food for lunch, and I'm standing against the wall, and we would number one, two, one, two, one, two, and who was ever, the ones and twos were partners. So I was number one, and Tara Ann was number two. It's a true story. I'm not making any of this up. Tara Ann was the hottest girl on the planet. Like now she was sixth grade hot, so let's be fair. Um, but when you're in sixth grade, sixth grade hot will do. Um, and I had a crush on Tara Ann, like bad. Like I, I was in love with Tara Ann. And I thought, this is my opportunity to impress Tara Ann to the point where she will fall madly in love with me. This is the mind of a sixth grade kid. Um, and so I'm gonna impress her with a number of sit-ups that I do. And so the ones were doing the sit-ups, so I got ready to do the sit-ups, and the twos held their feet. And so I'm doing sit-ups and Terran is facing me, and I'd had what for lunch? Yeah. So the coach blows the whistle, and here we go. One, two, on the third sit-up. I parted her hair. It was un- It was the loudest, most gross thing that's ever came out of my body. Um, and we got her some medical attention. She was fine. Um, some counseling. She's a thriving adult today. But I quit, and I quit. I quit right there. I started crying. I was so upset. I failed. The, I was like, I don't even like the president anyway um, at the time. I mean, it's, and so I never will forget being so just, like for the rest of the year, I couldn't make eye contact with her because I was like, I'm responsible for the brain damage in her life. We went to middle school, and in middle school, I swear to you, when I would see her walking down the hallway, I would look at the ground, I would look at the locker, I would look at the, I, would, I could not look at her. We were in high school, this is a true story, I never will forget her walking down the hall, I can tell you what she was wearing, and she was with her boyfriend, and I just, I saw them look at me, and I stepped into another room, because I'm like, she's telling on me right now, she's telling on me. And by the way, just so you know, I wasn't scared of her boyfriend, I could have whipped his rear end, I'm just saying, I was embarrassed because of Tara Ann, all right? At my 10-year high school reunion, not making this up, I'm standing behind the press box talking to my friends, you know, about 10 years, whatever, and I feel somebody pulling on my shirt. I turn around and look, and who is it? Tara Ann, and she said, I bet you don't remember me. I was like, there's not a day in my life that goes by that I don't think about you. you I, can't, I can't get past my past. Now, that is a true story. It really did happen and fortunately, that's a story out of my past that we can laugh at. But some of us have that event or that season in our life, in our past, that's not that funny. We don't, we don't like, in fact, some of us ne- have never even spoken about it because it's so painful. So if you don't hear anything else I say today, if you don't hear anything else that comes out of my mouth, if you don't hear anything else that's communicated, I want you to walk away with this on every campus that if you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. If you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. Now, I know what some of you are thinking because if I were you, I'd be thinking the same thing. That's easy to say and hard to do, and I totally agree, which is why I wanna share three concepts that for me, for me, for me, help me anytime I'm wrestling with getting past my past. If you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write this down. In Christ, in Christ, I am 
completely forgiven. In Christ, in Christ, I am completely forgiven. I want to I I back up and hit one verse of Scripture because some of you are like, he hasn't even read the Bible yet. Well, I got a verse. I got a verse. Here we go. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, this means that anyone... Now, I did a real deep Greek study on that word anyone, and I discovered that the word anyone means anyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. That's all I said to say was that means you. I didn't say have a conversation. I just said say that means you. I mean, some of you are like, but not really. Um, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new person, a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And in Christ, we are completely forgiven. Now, I understand that sometimes we don't feel forgiven. I, I learned this lesson the hard way. Years ago, I bought a brand new car. How many of you have ever bought a brand new car? Like brand new, come on, raise your hands. Don't be embarrassed. Dave Ramsey isn't here. He's not gonna call you out. And I love Dave. Dave's a friend of mine. I'm not cracking on him. I'm just saying, um, you bought a brand new car. Now, I bought a brand new car. I've done it. And I know when you drive it off the lot, it depreciates. I just wanted to smell a brand new car and the new smell wears off in a week. But anyway, I just wanted it. And so I'm driving this brand new car around and for two weeks, I was loving this thing. And so one day I'm backing out of my driveway and I swear to you, my neighbor in the middle of the night came to my driveway and moved my mailbox two feet to the left because I was backing up like I always backed up. And all of a sudden, as I'm backing up, I hear, and I thought, huh, that's kind of weird. And I kept going. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, okay? And I put a racing stripe down the side of my car, which in South Carolina, you get credit for. Um, But I never will forget getting out of my car, walking around and looking at the dent that I had put in my car. And that dent robbed me of so much joy. Like I went to work mad. I showed up mad. I was angry. I walked into meetings mad. Now throughout the day, things got a little bit better. I had some good conversations. Um, Anytime I'm down, I go watch the cat video on YouTube where the cat gets caught in the ceiling fan and flung around the room. I just think that's hysterical. Um, um, And so, so I was feeling a little bit better. And I walked back out of my car to go home. And as I'm walking by my car, I had to walk by the dent. And as soon as I saw the dent, it robbed me of my joy. And all of us, or most of us at least, probably have that dent in our life that anytime we look at it, anytime we're reminded of it, anytime we think about it, it absolutely robs us of our joy. And if that's you, I understand. But one of the things I'm having to learn to apply to my life daily is this, that the death of Jesus is greater than the dents that we've placed in our life. And the death of Jesus on the cross paid for the dents in our life. And Jesus did not die on the cross to fix us up. He died on the cross to make us new, which means that in Christ, you, I, we are completely forgiven. Completely forgiven. Now, I understand that whole adage of purity. Sometimes I don't feel forgiven. I get it. That's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight, verse one, so now... There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And I've had to learn that the facts in God's word are greater than the feelings in my life. And when I can't feel it, I've got to know it, and I've got to believe it, that in Christ, you and I are completely forgiven.
Number two, number two, in Christ, I am valuable. In Christ, I am valuable. In fact, you are unbelievably valuable in Christ. Now, years and years and years ago, I worked at a restaurant called Ryan's. Some of you may have heard, anybody ever heard of Ryan's? It, it wasn't that good. There's no reason to actually have heard of it at all. Um, but it was kind of like a steakhouse thing, and I was a cashier and um, took people's money, which was kind of fun. It wasn't my money, but I got to take it from people. And I never will forget this one particular day. This gentleman walked in. I can still see him walking in, and he was wearing a hoodie. Now, hoodies are cool today. Hoodies are popular. Ho- hoodies are awesome. This was 1989. The only person that wore a hoodie was the Unabomber. Um, and that, that, that's the only, that, so, so anytime you saw somebody with a hoodie, you were like, oh, wow, a weirdo. Um, and I, I'm not judging. It's just it's fact, all right? And so he went through the line. And then when he, got up to the, when he got up to the cash register, I noticed he had on gloves. And I thought, huh, it'd be kind of funny this guy was going to rob me. And it was hysterical in my mind, right up until the point he reaches into his jacket and pulls out the longest knife I've ever seen. It was like, (laughs) my name is Igor Montoya. Anyway, if you got that, that's great. If not, I don't have time. And so he pulls out this knife and he said, give me the money. And some people are like, what'd you do? I was like, I hit the button on the cash register. I was like, there you go, man. That's good. Well, you want a biscuit to go or something? Can I get you a steak, a massage, anything you need? Never once in a while, I'll meet a really stupid redneck who will go, why didn't you fight him? Because <laughs> it wasn't my money, fool. It was Mr. Ryan's money, and Mr. Ryan had some money. And I didn't, now, I didn't fight him because it wasn't my money, but you know what? You know how we would have fought had he asked for my wallet? Now, it's not because I had a lot of money in my wallet. Let's be honest, I was working at Ryan's. You didn't work at Ryan's to make a lot of money. And it wasn't because I had a credit card in my wallet because I had no credit. It's because my driver's license was in my wallet. And if I would have given him my wallet, that means he would have had my license. And if he would have got my license, that would have meant I had to go to the DMV and get a brand new license. And to be honest with you, I'd rather get stabbed 17 times in the head than to have to go to the DMV and sit. Is anybody with me on this one, right? By the way, that joke works in every state. Every state in America, that works. And there's always somebody going, well, I work at the DMV. Well, freaking smile every once in a while and act like you're happy you got a job. Anyway, some rage issues in my life. My wallet's valuable to me. Now, all of us in this room can agree on something. All of us, I think all of us, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, I think we could agree on this concept, that the value of something is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay. Yes or no? Yes. The value of something is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay. So I've got a friend who just stepped into the NFL. His name is Deshaun Watson. He's the quarterback for the Houston Texans. And I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it. He, he when he got in the NFL, he signed, his contract was four years million with a $9 million signing bonus. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, because they're they're in every crowd. All that money won't make you happy. (laughs) I'd like to give it a shot. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that broke people are the ones that always say that, right? They're always broke. They're so broke, they have to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. That's how broke they are. So why are we listening to them anyway? Don't let them steal your joy. What we know about the Texans, though, 
is the Texans see Deshaun as valuable because of what they invested in him. Now, if we know that about the Texans and Deshaun, how much more so should we see ourselves as valuable because God, the creator of the universe, gave his son, Jesus, and Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. And if the value of something is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay, that means that you and I, in the eyes of God, are completely, unbelievably valuable. There's some people that don't feel valuable because of what you've done. But I'm telling you, you have value. One of the things that brings me the most comfort is this. Jesus knew every stupid, foolish, self-centered, sinful decision I was ever going to make before he ever made me. And he went ahead and created me anyway and arranged for that sin to be paid for. On the cross. In Christ, you and I have value. Number three, number three, in Christ, I am unconditionally loved. I am unconditionally loved. Now, I just got a confession, and I think I can say this in this room. I don't love some people. Can we admit that some people are hard to love? Do you have a hard time loving some people? No, don't point. I I didn't say point. I, I just said, I just said there are some people that are hard to love. Don't you have people in your family that are hard to love? Every family has a freak. <laughs> every family has a weirdo. Every family. Every family has a freak. Now, some of you might be sitting there thinking, my family don't have a freak. Well, you're, you're guess what? <laughs> you're the freak. Anyway, that was for free. I didn't even say that in the other services. Um, some people are hard to love. Like for me, I have a hard time loving people when I'm driving. And the reason I have a hard time loving people when I'm driving is because if you're in the left lane, hello, you're supposed to be passing someone. You're not supposed to be on your phone. You're not supposed to be thinking. You're not supposed to be cruising. If you're not passing, get out of the left lane because if I pass you in the right lane, you're an idiot. That's what's going on in my heart. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, you're so angry. I know we all have issues. Okay. Um, and I look, I give people a dirty look when I pass them on the right-hand side. And it's okay because none of my, I have nothing on my car that indicates I'm a follower of Christ. So, so I can give somebody a dirty look. I didn't even put the fish on there, right? I just, I'm just not doing it. I'm just not doing it. So I have a hard time loving some people. You have a hard time loving some people. But you know who I do not have a hard time loving? My daughter. Got one little girl, she's 10 years old, her name's Karis. She's beautiful, she's awesome, she's amazing. I don't have a hard time loving her. Now, how many of you are parents? Just raise your hand. Yeah, that's an easy question. And all the women always do this and all the dads do this. You know what they say, mama's baby, daddy's maybe. Um, But anyway, that's another message for another time. Uh, That might bring up some baggage, I don't know, I'm sorry about that. But we... We, now, now parents, let me ask you this question about your children. What did your child do, especially during their first five years of their life, to get you to love them? Here's the answer. Nothing! They, they ruined your life. You used to be able to talk in complete sentences, and you can't even do that anymore. They, they, they peed on you, they pooped on you, they threw up on you, they ruined your social life, and you know what? You love them for it. You oh, you pee pee on me? Did you pee pee on me? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. We don't do that with anybody else. 
somebody else peed on you, then you'd knock them out. You wouldn't go, oh, thank you so much. You pee pee on me. Like, you're not going to do that at work tomorrow. That's weird. It's true. Your children spent the first five years of their life trying to destroy your life and trying to destroy their own, right? You just felt like if I can just keep them alive for those first five years. But don't you love them? Don't you just love your kids? I remember one time I was taking care of us on a date. We do a date at least once a week. And um, I walked into a room and, I was, and it was awkward when we first started because she's like seven months old. And I'm like, what do you do with a seven-month-old? So I like, took her to Chick-fil-A and would set her on the table and I'd eat. And she'd look at me and drool, um, which was awesome because I just figured one day I'll be in the senior adult center and she'll swing by and pick me up and take me to Chick-fil-A and she'll eat and I'll drool. So, so it's, a, it's a fair, I mean, it's fair. Um, and so I was getting ready to ch- take her to Chick-fil-A one morning and I walked in the room and the smell was the worst thing I've ever smelled in my life. I don't have words that adequately describe how awful this smell was. And I was like, what has happened in this room? And I walked around the corner and I saw what had happened. The night before, Karis had got a stomach virus. And now, now I'm not going to get too graphic here because we have sympathetic vomiters in the room. And if you go, everybody goes. And so I'm just going to just, if it, if, it, if it floats up, just swallow it down. Um, and, and we'll get through this next section of the message, Okay. But when I say what had happened was awful, it was, it was awful. Like she had had a stomach virus and it was all over the wall. It was all over the bed. It was all over her and her pajamas. It was all over the floor. It was the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then as soon as she saw me, she turned around and held out her arms and said, Daddy. And let me tell you what I did not do. I didn't say, Daddy. You little freak. I, I don't know what you think. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on right now. But that, let me tell you what. Clean up the wall. Clean up yourself. Clean up the bed. Clean up the carpet. And when you get completely clean, you can come into my presence. You see, my friend, that's religion. But me and my daughter didn't have religion. We had a relationship. I'm her father, and I was bigger than her mess. So when she held out her arms to me and said, Daddy, I picked her up and embraced her mess and all because I'm her father, and I'm bigger than the mess she made. And if that's true about earthly parents, how much more so true is it about our heavenly father? Listen, God in heaven, your heavenly father, your heavenly father, the price he paid is bigger than the mess you made. And the focus of our lives needs to be not on the mess we made, but the price he paid. Hey, in Christ, it's true that all of us in Christ are unconditionally loved. We're unbelievably valuable. We're completely forgiven. And I don't know if you walked in today having a problem getting past your past. I don't know if you walked in today feeling defeated, discouraged, beat down. But the next time the enemy reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Because at the end, we win. And we're on the winning team. We get to spend eternity with Jesus. But the beautiful thing is we don't have to wait to heaven until it gets good. We get to experience abundant life right now. And if your past is robbing that abundant life of you, I pray today that you'll walk out knowing, completely forgiven, unconditionally loved, unbelievably valuable. Jesus, thank you 
so much for each and every person here today on every campus. Father, I pray right now for every person that's struggling getting past their past. Jesus, that you will help us to see that in you, we really can walk in victory. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you're having an issue, you're having a problem, you've had a problem for a while getting past your past, I want to pray for you. But I want to know who you are. And so right now, if you're saying, hey man, I feel like this message was for me, I just want you to pray for me right now. I want you to put your hand up and I want you to leave it up. I want you to put it high right now. Go ahead, go ahead, go, go. Go, don't be, don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed. There's no perfect people in this room. Nobody in this room has their stuff together on every campus. No matter what campus you're on, if you're downtown, if you're in Minnesota, it doesn't matter right now, put your hand in the air. You say, Peter, you can't see my hand in the other campus. It's okay, Jesus can. Jesus, I pray for every person with their hand in the air. Father, that you would remind them there is victory in you. Jesus, I speak hope over everyone that has their hand raised. I speak life. I speak purpose. I speak abundance. Jesus, I pray that you would remind us all on a consistent basis that the one who rose from the dead lives in us, which means we can walk through any storm that comes in our life. Father, I pray for freedom over the past and a future that is unbelievable. We ask this, Jesus, in your name, and everyone who agreed said, amen.